0: What's going on? What's going on? Entertain the Geeky.
1: Guys, what's going on? Your buddy Chris here with Entertain the Geeky. Um, As if the intro didn't already tell you that. Okay, so this week was a weird one, man. We, uh, We sat down to record an episode, and I did the most amateur thing that I've done in a very long time. I did not did not do a sound check and we lost all of our audio really weird man so i was like that's okay hopefully it came through on our video and i can just separate the two files that didn't happen so i was like well shit i got to do something for these guys i know i geek out over the gear that we use and stuff like that maybe maybe they'll get into that a little bit and i was thinking about it and i was like man that is fucking dumb so, here we are, and I'm going to do something a little different. I made note cards, which is so out of character for me, but I'm actually very, very excited to talk about this. Uh, so, to dive into it here, um, basically, and this is not news to most people, especially people who are listening to this show. So, earlier this year, I, I want to say it was right around January, um Wizards announced they were going to be fundamentally changing something called the Open Gaming License. Now, we're going to dive into this a little bit, and first, we're gonna we're gonna do a little history lesson here. Okay, uh, basically, Dungeons and Dragons, as it's known, has been out since about seventy four. First time it was published was nineteen seventy four. Nineteen seventy seven, we got the base set, uh, first version. Nineteen seventy seven, we also got Advanced D anD D. Um, outside of advanced D&D, we got in 1981, the base set second version, and 1983, base set third version, 1989, advanced Dungeons & Dragons, second edition. Okay? Um, 1991, we got the uh, rules cyclopedia. All right. Now, There's a long gap here, a very long gap, and in this gap, something interesting happened. So, a company called Wizards of the Coast purchased Dungeons & Dragons from another company called TSR. Forgive me for being rude. Um, So, they purchased the company from TSR. Totally crazy, Uh, and... It, the the property lied dormant for about 3 years. So there was about 3 years where nothing happened until the year 2000. And this is when 3rd edition Dungeons and Dragons came out. Now, the cool thing about 3rd edition was that is when they started the open gaming license. And this is a, this is an interesting thing because I feel like this was an opportunity to um not an opportunity, but I feel like they were using this as an opportunity to show the community their investment in the game and show just how confident they were in the play system that they had. Now, I'll dive into this a little bit. So, in 2015, I started working at a comic book shop. My experience with Dungeons & Dragons was extremely limited. And uh, I had only played, I think it was like a second edition one shot that I had played. And if if you don't know the story, you can go back and listen to old podcasts. There's a clip on it. Um, It was a satanic panic thing. Uh, At least the remnants thereof. So um, I had only played the one time when I was about 19 years old. And I was talking to, uh, to the general manager at the comic shop that I worked at who ended up becoming a very dear friend of mine. He's like, listen, man, um, what 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 are some things that you want to know more about so that you can be better here in the hobby? And I was like, well, uh, I really want to get to know more about this role-playing shit. I've only ever done this and blah, blah, blah. And he's like, okay, well, let, let's do a little history lesson. So he starts to do this thing that we're doing here, uh, talking about the history of d d He talks about Watsi purchasing the property. And he's like, and then they made the open gaming license. Now, he explained it to me the same way I'm explaining it to you. I'm basically stealing the words right out of his mouth. Thank you, Mike. And it was, hey, it was so fucking good. And they were swinging their dick that was so big that they said, look, y'all can borrow it. You can use it. And they made this open gaming license. And it has kind of been the standard for a good while now. So basically, this open gaming license would allow other companies or people or whatever to use the rule set, basically IPs, if you will, that are associated with Dungeons & Dragons. And it was like this massive flex. And then in 2002, so a couple years into this, um, a company called Paizo starts publishing Dungeons & Dragons magazine. And it, this is done as like a, a contract with Watsi. So Watsi contracts them and says, okay, um, we want you to do this D&D magazine. Paizal's all about it because, well, they love what's going on. So, yes, uh, things are things are cool for a minute. In 2003, 3.5 comes out, which is like a the most tricked out, awesome version of D&D to date for a lot of people a lot of people still love and play 3.5 it's it's good it's very crunchy but very good um so yeah things are things are lovely things are super lovely in 2007 wizards chooses not to renew their contract with paizo also in 2007 wizards announces fourth edition now because of how well received 3.5 was Paizal was like, okay, we're going to use this open gaming license thing here. We're really worried about what could potentially happen to this play system that we love. So in 2008, D&D puts out 4th edition. Paizal starts the open playtest for the Pathfinder RPG. Very, very rad time. And it's wild that they were using this open gaming license for an open play test. Kind of a crazy thing, but very smart. And in 2009, they had the rules refined enough to where they were comfortable publishing Pathfinder. The first edition. Well, it's first edition now. It wasn't then. It was just Pathfinder. Very, very good play system. Fourth edition is this is this odd thing. And uh, it was like D&D, the board game. Some people love it. For certain uh, aspects of how it played, a lot of people were not happy with it because it stepped away from what had made D and D so wildly successful up until that point. So yeah, it, it, it's it's like a, a bittersweet thing for a lot of folks. Now, in 2014, Dungeons and Dragons Fifth Edition came out, and wow, my reintroduction to D and D after playing a one shot of like Second Edition. Was this fifth edition D anD D, and it was so it was so polished. At least it felt that way. It it didn't feel too crunchy, especially being that I was new to playing You know, new to playing not again, but new to this play system, new to Dungeons and Dragons because I really hadn't played much up until that point. And it was elegant in its simplicity. It flowed well. Really, really worked well for role playing. It it seemed like a almost perfect system. There were some little issues with it, but it remained largely unchanged. Well, it I mean until now. It's been it's been almost a decade. It's 2023 and well, 5th edition is still the current D&D that we're all playing. So, freaking wild, man. But we're going to dive into 2018. So, in 2018, Pathfinder does another open playtest. After you know a decade, and in 2019, they produced Pathfinder Second Edition, and it's been successful. I don't know if it had the uh, had the initial influx of players that maybe Pathfinder First Edition did. I I don't know what any of their numbers look like, but every every one of us that is in the uh, role playing game community has known that that was an option. A lot of folks picked up the playtest and enjoyed it. So. Yes, second edition is now a thing, and then we're gonna fast forward a couple years to 2000, uh, you know, 2020, 2022, 23. Um, some weird stuff starts happening at Wizards. So this is this is where this episode gets a little off kilter. Um, but basically, one of the things that Wizards says is in a press event, I I should have an audio clip.
0: This is not the face of the hobby anymore. Uh, and I think there's been mistakes made in years past where people assumed that D&D players were all, you know, white dudes in a basement, um, which is which has been a faulty assumption for a lot of years and gets more and more false every day. Uh, and so it's in my viewpoint, honestly, guys like me can't can't leave soon enough.
1: That's fucking weird, dude. Like, that's a weird thing to say. And what the fuck, man? Dudes like me can't get out of it soon enough. So there's a, there's a term, and I, I guess first I'm going to present a concept to you guys, and it's one that you're already familiar with. If I'm running around telling you how good I am, I'm probably not that fucking good. And you're smart. People are smart, you're gonna pick up on that. You're gonna understand that uh this is kind of a dick move to probably overshadow some other shortcomings. It's called virtue signaling. Um so this is clearly like a a virtue signal thing. Of course, we want as many people involved in the hobby as possible. Nobody gives a shit what color they are unless you're a fucking asshole. So, you know. That's it's not really an issue for us as players. And if you're involved in the community in any way, shape or form, I, I think that's well known. Like we want everybody to play D&D because we love it. So very odd, right? Very odd thing. Just I don't know, just a weird stance to take. And then they do this other thing where they're like, all right, well, right, we're going to take away um, racial debuffs. Again, odd thing, man. Every everybody is made different you might have shortcomings like as a human being, but then you have strengths elsewhere. And to, to like glance over that from a role-playing perspective, you're robbing players. It's, it's a very odd thing to me. I think it's bizarre. And then they get rid of half races because that was the most racist, egregious thing ever having half races. That is okay. People that are biracial don't exist. Therefore they could not exist. And, Make-believe land? Like, come on, man. D- dislodge your heads from your asses over there. Quit your virtue-signaling bullshit. We know you're a massive corporation that brings in a bajillion dollars a year. You show you show your profit statements. You've been killing it. You have been killing it. And it's been shows like Stranger Things and stuff like that that have really helped skyrocket um, the amount of people that have been playing Dungeons & Dragons. That, and we have a fucking a community that wants everybody to play. We want engagement by more people because we love this and we want to share it with people. So, it, I'll get off my soapbox there totally just ridiculous shit that these folks over at D&D or at Wizards were doing. So then this year 2023, they announced uh fundamental changes to the OGL and how it, it basically they were they saw money that they could have been making on um the backs of folks who were using the open gaming license, and they said, okay, we want that fucking money. So we're going to change this so that we, these big companies that are making lots of money off of us so that we get their money. And, dude, fucking Backlash City. So they've got a lot of uh, blowback just because everybody is sick of their, you know, their bullshit. Then they do this, and people are like, man, fuck you wizards. And this giant this giant thing starts happening where everybody uh starts jumping over to other play systems or publishing new play systems. Um Pathfinder saw a massive surge in their player base and I mean I myself said, "Okay, uh I'm going to be moving over to Pathfinder after this." So I started picking up the books for that because I'm like, "Yeah, I don't agree with some of what this company is doing." Now the the final straw For me, and this isn't like a "fuck you, wizards." This is like a "come to Jesus" thing. Like you guys have the opportunity to one, you have the greatest role playing game ever. I think that's what you call it, something along those lines. But you have a property that people love, man. We love it, and you have years and years and years of just lore, nostalgia, everything that people like. You have it in this property of Dungeons and Dragons. And the fact that you're, the fact that you're trying to be so, you know, stingy with it is just kind of baffling to me. But the final straw was uh, when Pinkerton agents showed up to a guy's house for magic cards that he got by mistake. Um, That's, that's actually for me, that's when I said, okay, I'm totally withdrawing from anything. Wizards of the Coast. You're, Fucking slimy, dude. It's it's just, it's yucky, man. It's yucky to send Pinkerton agents to a dude's house for getting cards that he shouldn't have, threatening him, harassing his neighbors. There was a lot involved with that. I think there might be open litigations regarding it. Don't quote me on that, but really odd thing to do. It's a fucking card game, dude. It's a card game. Now, this guy was an influencer, opened him on his YouTube channel. That's what really pissed him off because they're like, man, fuck you. You guys put out spoilers for this shit? anyway. Like, we know what's coming out before the sets come out, so it's kind of weird that you would become so butthurt here, but, you know, that's neither here nor there. So that was my withdrawal from uh, Wizards of the Coast altogether, and that's when I went out and purchased all the Pathfinder books that I would need to start playing, and I let my players know. I said, okay, hey, we're going to finish the campaign that we're on in 5th edition, and then we're going to be switching over because this isn't cool. But one of the cool things that came out of this was the folks at paizo and several other companies said okay we're going to throw an orc at you basically they wanted to create their own open gaming license and they called it orc open role playing creative they just wanted to name it orc let's be clear it's not owned by paizo or any of these other companies that are involved in the creation of it it is Basically, for the gaming community at large to use and expound upon because they love the idea associated with the open, the original open gaming license, which was to grow the community and get the most creativity and ideas and the best possible version of this role playing game out there. So, that's kind of what we have with the orc play thing. And one of the other things it pies out like was a massive spearhead here, and they they used their big dick energy to say, Oh yeah, by the way, Pathfinder second edition is going to be uh we're going to re-release all the books orc compatible anything that you already have with second edition though will be in line with orc you can use it with the new books there there's not going to be any issues there it's just we want to one maybe refine a thing or two two we want to be using this license, not the Open Gaming license. So, kind of rad there. And I'll try to post some information on the ORC, the Open Role Playing Creative, here in the description of this, but totally wild thing. Really fucking cool. If you guys have not already, go to entertainthegeeky.com. You'll find links to all of our social media there, past episodes, all that. Do me a favor, like, comment, subscribe. We need y'all to grow. And we love doing this. And by we, I mean me and Jason. Jason's obviously not here right now, but the team here at ETG. Also, Merle's Truck Stop in Maine will be free through the end of July here. So through, I think it's the 31st or I don't know how many days are in July, but through the end of July, you can get a free copy of Merle's Truck Stop in Maine using the promo code geeky. Thank you guys. As always, stay geeky.
2: Well, uh, this entire conversation is obviously in the wake of the OGL controversy, so uh, my first question would be why is it that uh, management feels the need to change the OGL in the first place, or at least felt the need to change the OGL in the first place?
0: Yeah, uh, so we still have a lot of real concerns about um, big media corps moving into the D&D space, um, new technologies that weren't considered when the OGL was first written, um, the emergence of some hateful content that's coming around out there. Uh, When you have a bigger community, you have a bigger duty. Uh, and uh, we're just worried about the impact of some of these things. Mm-hmm. And that was the origin. Mm-hmm. I will say that um, I've been at Wizards for a couple of years now, and this was in process when I got here. So these concerns have been a concern at Wizards for a long time. Uh, and uh, I was part of the team that picked up the ball and, and continued forward with mm-hmm. it. Um, but that was the those were the motivations behind it, is mm-hmm. is worries about... And when I say big media corps, I don't mean Wizards big. I mean like meta big. I mean like Disney big. That's the kind of stuff we were actually worried about. Mm-hmm.
2: So specifically, uh, like in what way were you worried about a, co- a, a company like Disney, uh, me- like somehow interfering mm-hmm. with D&D?
0: So under the uh, OGL10A is written, you know, there's quite a bit of things you could do with the SRD. And um, just as a for instance, this wasn't a specific concern, but you asked for an example. Mm -hmm. Uh, Let's say that you were a large um, social media company that had built an amazing social media platform, and then you'd use those dollars to make um, a virtual reality metaverse, you might say. Let's say Mm -hmm. you were some unnamed company that had done all those things, and then you decided to make a a D&D virtual reality space where people could come and play D&D in VR. Well, as written, we wouldn't be there at the table to talk with them about what's true to D&D and what's not. Um, Mm -hmm. And we would be very concerned about where a company like that, that has not had a great track record, honestly, with how it it manages its community and what it allows people to do on its platforms, what they would do with D&D. And so we were looking for ways to be at the table when those conversations take place.
2: Okay. Uh, So, even aside from that, though, when it was released, uh, it obviously there were the, the, the reach, uh, the potential reach of the OGL stretched far beyond anything like a megacorp like Disney. Can you provide an overview of the de- decision-making process that went into the original wording that was, uh, leaked?
0: Yeah. So the, the things that were in 1.1, uh, and that was a terrible way to approach the goals we had in mind. Uh, Mm -hmm. which is why it was such an easy so it was easy for us to do a u-turn and abandon those right away because it was one of those things where um piece by piece it seems like you're making a good decision and then you end up in a terrible place uh and uh we're grateful to all the feedback that was so strong and so clear that allowed us to uh see for ourselves where we had gotten ourselves to Uh, the because the mission was never about hurting the community the second the community was hurt we dropped it like a hot rock because we didn't want that wasn't our mission. Um, I, you know, the, the when people ask, why are royalties in there? Well, that's the idea was, if you're a giant corporation, that would be a huge deterrent to you. And the thinking was, you can see in the, the numbers that were in there, that there was supposed to be this area where it didn't matter, where if you were a small creator, it would be fine. Mm-hmm. That's all by the wayside, though. It's very clear that that all that stuff in there was a huge problem for creators. So we just we dropped it and left because that's not what we're there for.